the component and the ingredient is you and I. Us being willing to let God have his way in our life. If you got your Bible, 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. Chapter 12. Samuel. 2 Samuel 12 and verse 13. Second Samuel 12 and verse 13. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said <clears throat> unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. <clears throat> God told him the kid's going to die. Nathan departed unto his house and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child. David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. The elders of his house arose, went to him to raise him up from the earth. But he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. Servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How he then vexed himself. If we tell that the child is dead. <clears throat> but when David saw that his servants whispered. David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants. Is the child dead? And they said he is dead. Then David arose from the earth. Washed. Anointed himself. Changed his apparel. And came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house and when he required they set bread before him. He did eat and said his servants unto him. What thing is this thou hast done? Thou did fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead you did rise up and eat. And he said while the child was yet alive I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell God will be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he's dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return back to me. I want to preach to somebody today. It's time to move forward. It's time to move forward. If you would, just lift your hands again as a sign of surrender is while we do that. Lifting our hands, a sign of the heart. I'm opening myself. God, I pray today, touch your people. Let your word go forth with a clarity and understanding. God, don't just let it be another sermon, but let it be a word from you for all of us here today that we could leave strengthened, encouraged, empowered to fulfill your will in this earth. I pray in Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I told uh, some of the 
ministers this morning in our, our meeting, <clears throat> there is something very unique about David. And if you've been around here long enough, you've heard me preach messages and, and thoughts along the life of David. He, he's just probably one of my, my favorites next to Jesus in, in the things that David uh, experienced in his relationship with God. And that's what stands out the most to me about David is how he had a relationship with God in spite of so many challenges and issues that, that came into his life. He always overcame and seemingly was, was where he needed to be in God. His life starts very uniquely and, and I love the very beginning. And to understand even this text here, you've got to always go back to the beginning that the scripture bears out a little bit about him. He's a young shepherd boy on, the, on, a, on a hill far from his family taking care of his father's sheep. Bible talks about how he was uh, tending and how he did it with such uh, dedication taking care of his father's sheep. The Bible continues to tell us that Samuel the prophet shows up at the house of Jesse and David's not there. But yet that prophet goes through all of those boys of the house, seven to be an exact, David being the eighth. And he's still not finding the one he was there to anoint. And he asks Jesse for, is there not another? And Jesse responds and says, there's one out there that really we don't pay a whole lot of mind to. See, David's life started on the other side of the tracks. David's life started on the side of not really kind of fitting in with everybody, not really even fitting in with his own family. He, he, he just kind of didn't dwell, I mean, he just didn't, he didn't jive with everybody else. And I know the many of the writers, uh, they, they ascribe to uh, Jesse and, and the birth of David, him saying, I was born in sin and shaping in iniquity. But, you know, even that, uh, it, it goes deeper than just how he was conceived. That's uh, what many of them say. But there, there was things that David faced that many of us would have given up right then and there in our walk with God. We would have just kind of, well, I just don't, we do it at church. I don't fit in at that church, so I'll just go find something else. And I don't fit in. Do we ever, ever dawn on us we may be the problem? There ain't no preacher going to tell you and I that because they want you tithing. <laughs> I'm already in trouble. It's New Year's Eve. <laughs> hey, what I got to lose, I'm going to start it off right. <laughs> David didn't give up. He didn't quit. Because he knew there was something that happened to him on the backside of that hill that there was no man could ever take it away. I say to somebody here today, if God ever filled you with the Holy Ghost, man didn't give you that. God gave that to you. Don't let man take away your joy. Don't let man take away your hope. God is real. The Holy Ghost is real. And what God did for you in that altar is real. David learned on that backside there's something to all this there's something to what's going on in walking with God Jesse may have taught him I, I, those are things the scripture don't bear witness to but something in that boy made him stick with I'm going to stay with God 
and I'm going to stay on God's side. Something in that boy's spirit and something in that boy's heart. You couldn't deter him from it. Folks, we're living in an hour today. You let the slightest thing come to you and I. We just kind of throw everything out and say, I'm just going to quit that job. I'm just going to quit my family. I'm just going to quit the church. I'm just going to quit everything else. Is there anything that God can do in you and I that would make us realize some things are not worth quitting over. Some things are worth moving forward in. That family is worth it that marriage is worth it that job is worth it that the enemy makes us believe it just ain't worth it it just don't matter it don't matter whether I walk with God or not and here's the new doctrine well God's everywhere God loves me. God's happy with me. So we don't take all of that. Well, I challenge you. Get in the book. See what the Word says. Because the Word doesn't say that. The Word says God is everywhere, yes. But that means, but it also says that God can be pleased or displeased with me or you. David learned how to please God. David learned how to, no matter what the cost was, I want to know at the end of the day, God, are you pleased with me? From David's life, it goes from there to not being invited to the house and Jesse literally being made to go get David. (laughs) What daddy wouldn't want his kid to be a part of the party? That's messed up. And David comes and the prophet says, you're the man. You're the man. The anointed oil was poured over him in front of all of the people. You want to get on the enemy's hit list? Let a new anointing come to you. You want to get on your friend's enemy list? Let a new anointing. Let God start using somebody And before long, people kind of get a little envious and jealous. Boy, that preached real good. Eli and his sons. But let's stick to David. And David gets that anointed oil. Not of a a vial like Saul. But he gets an anointing of a horn of a ram. Which speaks of God's anointing. Saul's anointing was of man and you can have an anointing that's of man. That's what's wrong with so many churches nowadays. That's why people aren't really getting saved no more. Because they're flowing under the anointing of man. Fancy light shows. Fancy music. Fancy preaching that says everything's okay. Just keep living like you are. I wish I had some amens today, but that's that carnal mind saying we don't need that kind of preaching. I'm telling you again, there's a revival that God wants to do in Indian Village that's going to shock the socks off of some people. And you and I are looking at it going, God can't do that here. God can't do it in my family. You hear me? It's going to start in your family with the most inopportune person. But you got to move forward when everything else says stop, stand still, throw in the towel, give up, quit praying. I'm here to declare the Holy Ghost was given to you to give you strength to move forward in what God has. And David 
catch that anointing of the oil, the horn that represents God's favor. When God puts his favor on you, only one person or one thing that can move that out. You move out from under it. The gifts and the calling are there. But now the blessing and the favor that would flow moves me out. Sin moves me out. And here David gets the anointing, the favor, moving forward. This is 1 Samuel. We ain't even to 2 Samuel 12, my text. All this happens in 1 Samuel. David, 16, 17, 18. David fights the giant, Goliath. So David overcame his family. David fought a nine-foot giant, Goliath. David overcame these men in his council, Herithropel, his, his wise counsel, the one he turned to for answers and help and encouragement, he betrayed him. Doeg lied on him. Shimei cussed him to his face. And David said, leave him alone. Might be the Lord giving me that. You let somebody cuss us to the face? Yeah, I got the response right there. I'm bless God, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. You, we ain't got that much to give. You need to keep reminding yourself that. Hang on to what we got. We lacking in that department, I promise you. Older I get, the more I realize I ain't all well. <laughs> I'm not well, Brother Bush. Now, I'm trying. I ain't got the medicine yet, but hey, if I need that to make my brain well, I'll do whatever to make it well. He overcame it all. He overcame the family, the friends, the council, his son Absalom. It didn't end from his brothers and his own daddy. It even came up within his house. Absalom, his own son, took the kingdom from him. You talk about obstacles. You think your obstacles are any different than what David faced? You think people turning against you and people doing you wrong and your mom and daddy beating you and molesting you was the worst thing ever could have happened? All of these things that he did, he overcame it. But it wasn't without tremendous, tremendous prayer. That David overcame. Psalms 32, Psalms 51. If you want to, go to, go to Psalms 32, verse 1. These are David's accounts of his prayer. Blessed is he's transgressions are forgiven. His sins are covered. Here's where David is, 2 Samuel 12. He stole Uriah's wife. He committed adultery. And he stole her wife, his wife from Uriah, the man. His loyal, faithful, mighty man, Uriah. He had a side slip, a mess up, a sin, a transgression against God. And from that illegal, immoral act, a child was born from him and Bathsheba's rendezvous. 
And Nathan the prophet comes in and says, who is it that would steal the innocent lamb of a neighbor? And he gives him the story. And Nathan says, you are the man. Here's your backdrop. And David is coming into Psalms 32, 1. Give me verse 2. Let's go, Beth. Verse 2. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, but whose spirit there's no guile. Next verse. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through the roaring all day long. This is David grieving over what he did. Long way from a giant, ain't it? Long way from beating Goliath, ain't it? Long way from overcoming his brothers, ain't it? He overcame his family. He overcame the problem. He overcame Absalom. He overcame Goliath. He overcame being left out. He overcame rejection. He overcame being diminished to a social class. He left all of that. But when it came to himself, David's biggest struggle was overcoming himself. Overcoming the failure of what he did. And I'm here today to declare to somebody, you might not have committed adultery like David and Bathsheba, but how many failures are stacked up in me and your repertoire of yesterday? Things that we could have and should have and we didn't. Times we should have raised our hands. Times we should have moved. Times we should have repented. Times we should have lived for God. Times we should have gotten more into the world. Times we should have spoke more kindly. Times we should have been more kind to this one and more respectful to this one. Times we should have done good. But yet we failed in that moment. And now we're like David is saying, I wonder if it came to David's mind when he said, my Lord, Goliath was a piece of cake compared to this. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice? You fought things and you got a trophy for it and you got great accomplishment. Hey, I beat this. Hey, they, they, they abused me when I was a child. I overcame abuse. I overcame being molested. I overcame the problems of life. But yet when it came to things that I did to God and his people, I struggled getting over my mistake. I struggle. Getting over the mistakes I've made. I struggled over things I knew to do. And I didn't do it. I'm here to tell somebody it's time to move forward. It's time to move forward. David had enough knowledge about God. You can't stay in the ashes of failure. You can't keep rehashing. I'm telling some spouse. I'm telling some husband. I'm telling some family member. I'm telling some young person. You can't keep rehashing what happened then. If I wouldn't have been there, this would have never happened. If I wouldn't have been running with that person, it would have never happened. Somewhere, somebody needs to hear me in the Holy Ghost because you just wrote me off. And God's trying to give you an answer to get you out of your hell and chaos and Prozac and everything else that's your own. God wants to heal your mind. God wants to set you free that you can be free. It's time to move forward. I don't mean to get abrupt and unkind, but I see it in the eyes of some. That's just another preacher just writing it off. 
me tell you what, I ain't no normal preacher. You've been around anywhere, you know that by now. I know deep in my gut, I feel a tremble in my spirit, Brother Bushnell. The Holy Ghost is moving in me, trying to reach for somebody today to let you know, yes, you failed. Yes, you made the mistake. Yes, we've got regret of yesterday, but we're facing a brand new day. There's a brand new anointing. There's a brand new mission. David was saying, he was saying, I've cried so much. I'm dry. I want that to sink in. To... Folks, I promise you, I'm not going to ask for a ham sandwich to drink with my water. My throat is so dry, I can't even get the words out. It's a drought. My mouth, too. Brother Joe, he was in a place that he said, even my tears, I can't cry no more. I've cried over this. As much. But you see, something was happening in him, Brother Joe. Something was changing in him, pouring himself out. He was moving forward in that prayer. He was moving forward by appealing to God, saying, God, I have nothing left to give. I can't do it. My, my tears, I'm dry. My bones are breaking. I'm weak from not eating. Next verse, and then I want to go to 2 Samuel. Acknowledge my sin unto thee and my iniquity I'm not hid. He's saying, I've confessed it. I came to terms with I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he was. He should have never been on that roof. Because it was the day for the, the kings went to the battle. He didn't go to battle. Because he was a king, he should have been fighting. Instead, he was having a relaxed time. Wrong place at the wrong time. That's another lesson inside of itself. Regardless though it was a failure that he made, Brother Sean. How many times has the enemy come back and haunted us of the failures we did in God? Boy, if you'd have prayed more, Brother Sean, it would have been a different situation. And truth of the matter is, I didn't pray enough. Who wants to get honest today? I will. I know if I would have really prayed and sought the Lord with an honest heart, it still might not have changed, but my heart would have changed with it. Some things in prayer are not going to change, but I, bet, I promise you this, it's not going to go down on my watch that I didn't give God my best prayer and earnestly seek him for something. The boy was going to die, but David still prayed, knowing God said the boy's going to die. Just maybe God will change the verdict. That's what prayer is. Just maybe God will change the verdict. He said he's going to die, but maybe I can pray it enough and with the sincerity that God would grant me mercy. David said, I acknowledge it. I see it. See, part of moving forward is me acknowledging I shouldn't have went there. I shouldn't have done it. You know, I heard the other day another preacher 
he's preaching a message and he said, and believe it or not, this was a charismatic preacher. And he said, we have created a doctrine that just says you don't have to deal with the mistake you made. It's just kind of, you know, no big deal. And I'm not saying you beat yourself up. That's not what he was advocating. What he's saying is we've created a doctrine, a, a message that just says, you know what, you, God's going to bless you and you can keep doing what you want to do. Charismatic preacher. See, because there's an awakening now across the board to everybody. They're realizing that we're in the shape we're in because we're not acknowledging the things we did. And who would get honest and say, really? We're an arrogant individual if we say, I'm, the problems I'm facing are not because of something I could have done different. That's arrogance. I'm facing problems I know today, Brother Bushnell, because of stuff I didn't deal with back then. And to me, and that story of David... If I can acknowledge it and firmly come before the Lord and say, Lord, I, 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 I failed you right here, but I'm going to get up because I'm going to appeal to you. But at the end of the day, I'm getting back up again because you need to remember something. There's still anointing on David. I'm telling somebody here today, there's anointing still on you. There's favor still on you. The hand of God is still on you. But you got to acknowledge this, that I can move forward to that. In David's battle, go to 2 Samuel 12, Sister Beth. 2 Samuel 12, 13, good. I've sinned against the Lord to put away the sin. Next verse, verse 14, how be it this deed thou hast given a great occasion. For? That's a message that's so powerful because of the failure. See, we don't think that it affects people. It affects not only our family, but it affects even the community. That's why I, I tell people, uh, Brother Bushnell, I, I, I've said it when I would evangelize, pray for the pastor and the pastor's wife. Because if the enemy can take them down, he ain't just going to affect this, this church. He affects the whole community. Because he said, because what you did, you've now given the enemy mouth to say, God, don't do what he said he can do. That's a good message. Next verse. And the child's born is going to die. Nathan departed on his house. David went away. And uh, go with 16. And David therefore besought God for the child. Now here it is. He fasted. He went in. He lay on day and night. According to Jewish history, Jewish teaching, Jewish law, you don't pray and fast for that. David was praying and fasting. He was praying that God give him mercy. Yes. But his prayer and fasting was because of himself. He realized what he did, Sister Bushnell. And he realized the gap now between him and God because of his failure. And he realized, I can't pick up a sling and knock this one down. I want that to sink in because that's the heart of this whole message. I'm not preaching on adultery today. I mean, yeah, if it fits, wear it. But I'm preaching today to people that we've all made mistakes and failures in our yesterday, whatever that may be. We've made things in our life that we wish we could go back and undo, change. I wish I could have changed that conversation I had. I wish I could say it differently than I said it in the heat of anger in that moment. 
I wish I wouldn't have ran with that group of people. I wouldn't be dealing with some of the things I'm dealing with today in my mind, my heart. Perfect peace to them whose mind is stayed on thee. I know it's quiet in here today. But I feel the Holy Ghost just coming and knocking on some doors. And here's one, one little thought I'm getting from somebody in this place. Well, not somebody, I know who. You don't know. You think you know what I've done. I'm telling you today in the Holy Ghost, David said it. What was done in secret will be revealed. And the answer to it not being revealed is that I go to God and say, Lord, I failed you in this situation. I messed up in this situation. And I need you, God, to move me forward. Help me, God, that I don't stay condemning myself and keep beating myself up for what I didn't do and I should have done. Folks, we're all sinners. We've all failed God. But the thing that makes me different from a normal sinner is, yes, I admit the sin, but I know a God that's merciful he's merciful and he's reaching in mercy for whosoever will no matter what let me, let me pick on you when he got the Holy Ghost brother Bushnell brother Ewan said it like this he said he was like a bloodhound when he first got it he lived all these years away from God his daddy a preacher Went away from God as a teenager. Didn't come to God till he was whenever. How many times did we have conversations about the enemy beating you up over the regret of what you didn't do the years that you had it to live for God? But yet, here's the beautiful story in it. Yes, we should have done it. I should have done it. We didn't. But here's the beautiful thing, Dad. We finally came to a point and said, I failed him. I should have been there for him. I should have walked with God all these years. But God in his mercy came down where you were and where I was. And he picked us up. And he said, I'm going to take those failures and I'm going to blot them away. I'm going to take your mistakes and I'm going to, come on, somebody. I'm preaching to some Davidson tonight male and female it don't matter what you've done but you've got to realize it's time to move forward it's time to move forward because if the enemy can keep you condemned making you feel less than making you feel like you're rode off and finished man writes us off you need to remember the ark. I'm getting ready to close. You need to remember the ark of the covenant. That word, mercy seat, that's our English word, Brother Bush. Now, that's not in the original writings. Mercy seat's not there. In the original writing, it's called a lid. It's a covering. And around it was little edges. It was a crown that went around it. And on top of that was two cherubims. Fashioned in gold. The wings went forward, heads looking down into that. There was no identity to those cherubims. No face. Nobody knows what they look like. But those cherubims were fashioned to create a sense of a seat. That's where we get mercy seat. But that's the English word. But in between those two cherubims on that gold lid, inside that ark was the law 
tables of stone, Aaron's butt, Aaron's rod, and a pot of manna. Pot of manna symbolized prosperity, blessing, miraculous. The bud represented the miraculous. Manna was provision. The bud was the miraculous. The law represented the word. And what you need to understand is, is that lid that rested on top of that covered the word, the law. But that lid represented mercy. That lid had dimensions wide, dimensions long. But in nowhere in scripture do you find the dimension of that lid's thickness is to April. Never. You got the, this, but you don't have this. Because it's showing you and I that when the word of God goes forth and he says, you're a sinner. That's the word. The word cuts me. The word, it hurts to know that I'm guilty. I failed God. But what you've got to see in that picture is as soon as the word goes forth and cuts me and you and says, I'm a sinner, I did wrong, I'm in trouble with God. As soon as that happens, the lid comes and says, but I cover you in mercy. What the word identifies, mercy begins to reach and begins to heal. And I feel in this place today, the word of God is going forth telling you, move forward. And in your mind, you're saying, I can't move forward. I cannot do this. I'm telling you, mercy is in this place trying to let somebody know your failure is under the blood is anybody thankful for the blood Is anybody thankful for the blood? See, you got to be in sin for you to be thankful for the blood because the blood washed away my sins. The blood made me white as snow. And every time I, re I fail God again, I know where to go. I'm going back to that altar where the mercy seat is. In that mercy seat, you got the box, you got the cherubims, you got the mercy seat, the lid, the cover, the word. But you know what was in between, Brother Micah, between those two areas, those cherubs? The presence of God. Don't let anybody ever tell you it's all spirit, no word. And don't let anybody tell you it's all word and no spirit. Because where there's no spirit, the law will kill you. It took the spirit of God in the middle and the law and the word of God. It takes spirit and word. To bring us back in the right standing with God. And the presence of God was in the middle. David never, that I find, was allowed into that place. That holy place in operation. The glory. But somebody told him about the mercy of God. In the presence of God. So what David did was is he fasted and laid. Go to the next verse. And the elders of the house arose, went to him, raised him up from the earth. But he would not. Now watch. If you ain't never been in this place, I have. So I'll be the first one to sign the card. He was in a place that nobody could pick him up. 
And life's going to allow you to be in a place that ain't no preacher, no saint, no congressman, no friend, no daddy, no mama, no prayer warrior is going to physically be able to get you up. Because your repentance, your acknowledgement, your moment of saying, God, I failed you, is determined by you alone. I can come to you, and I've been real careful. I was taught this years ago, Brother Bush, now I'd have people come to me and they share what they repented over. And you can tell there's still contrition in them. They're still broken over it. And I was taught years ago from old elders, don't ever take away somebody's repentance. Let them stay in that position until they say. Now, I will say, you got to come to a point of don't condemn yourself over the failures that you've done and mistakes. Somewhere in all of our walk with God, we've got to come to terms with, I've asked God to forgive me. God's forgiven me. It's time for me to move on. You say, well, what if they don't forgive me? That's between them and God. You say, and then the, the other one would say, well, that's not fair. They did it to me. I'm the one now stuck dealing with a perpetrator in my marriage, my home, my family, a job. They did me wrong. The lesson is still the same. Man failed you. So whether it be somebody failed you or you failed them or failed God, whatever it is, there comes a point I've got to move forward or I'm never going to see what God has for me. Stand with me. Sister Beth, go to the next verse. Came in seven days. Seven days, the boy dies. And he's dead. Go, go fast. 19, 20. And David rose from the earth, washed. There it is. Stay right there. I'm done. When the boy died, they came to David. Said, he's dead. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's dead. Look what David did. The mark of moving forward is this. He washed. Why would he wash? He got snot and tears everywhere. He goes clean himself up. Ever get you ever come out of a red hot prayer meeting and your face is all red and splotchy? He's coming out from a prayer meeting for seven days. He prayed. And he comes out and says, Okay, I'm washing up. He anointed himself. Another story, another day. But here's the one I like. He changed his garment and he went to church. People quit God and don't come back to church when man do them wrong. Or we fail God so much, I'm just not going to go. Hear me. If you shoot somebody tomorrow, don't call me. You got Doug Bear for that. But let's say you did something crazy and just did something, whatever. You hear me. And you're free. Come back to church. I know people say, well, if I come back, they know what I did. So what? What a greater testimony it is for you walking in saying, yeah, you know what I did, but let me show you what I'm fixing to do. I'm going to worship God because he means more to me than your opinion. And David said, I'm changing my garment. I'm getting out of these clothes which represented grieving. 
David beat something that a slingshot wouldn't do. Mind over matter won't do. Getting all your friends together and, and, and encourage won't do. Sometimes your encouragers ain't going to get you out. But David, through a seven-day prayer and fasting, something woke up in him that said, I'm going to beat this thing in me. And I'm changing my garment. And I'm moving forward. Do I regret what I did? Yes. No doubt David regretted. Go read Psalms 51. Created me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. He regretted it. But yet he didn't let his failure rob him of going into the presence of God. And being a worshiper in God's presence in that moment. Now I'm going to make an altar call today. And I'm going to make it real easy for everybody. I want you to grab the hands of the person next to you. Grab their hand. Try to. They don't bite, I don't think. And I want us to all come to the front together as a family. Visitors, we invite you. You can come if you'd like. We want you here, but understand if you don't want to come. But I call all our church family. If you're part of this church, come. Grab the hand to the person next to you. I know that's difficult. But you see, by you joining their hand, it may cause something to be forgiven. We need forgiveness in this place this morning. I feel, I feel such a lock in the spirit. God's blessings will not go to you if you can't forgive. I'm going to say that one more time. Now you can be mad all you want. Trust me, I've been mad. I've been to the point where I want to do drastic things to some people. But I came to my senses and said, i got to forgive. Because the blessings of God and the favor of God are more important than what somebody did or said. I want you to take that hand and lift it to heaven right now. And I want you to tell God together we're moving forward. We're moving forward. Come on, say it. Pray for God. Help them to move forward. Come on, you got to move forward from your family. Move forward. If your family ain't going the same way you're going, move forward. Come on, we all have regret. We've got regret. We've lost people. Death has taken people away. But don't let it stop you from moving 